Hello. QueerAF is now an independent community interest company. Our podcast's first four seasons were funded by National Student Pride, and so there might be some old calls to action in them. For the most up-to-date info on our podcast that funds budding LGBTQIA plus audio producers, visit wearequeeraf.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter that sums up the LGBTQIA plus world and supports queer creatives kickstart their career. Enjoy the show. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This week's episode of Queer AF features strong themes right from the beginning. We'll be talking about chemsex. It's the use of drugs to alter or enhance sexual experiences, sometimes at parties, but also in one-on-one and singular experiences. If, by any chance, there are young ears nearby, you may want to save this episode for later. I felt anything but horny. I sat down on the sofa to finish my glass of wine. At the other end of the sofa, there was this young man with a tribal tattoo, tugging on his limp dick and watching soulless porn. I looked around the flat and realised what was missing. Personal touches. It all felt... a bit sad, really. Welcome to Queer as Fuck. This week... We sit down with the award-winning writer Patrick Cash as cast members of the Chemsex Monologues perform extracts exclusively recorded for this podcast while we discuss why the LGBT plus community is turning to drugs to escape and the rising tide, especially among gay and bi men in cities, of chemsex. It's the use of drugs to enhance and change sexual experiences to whole new levels. Uh, right, well, he's he's Daniel. He's a sexual health worker. He, he's he's not involved in the chemsex scene at all. This is Matthew Hodson. But he's recently split up with a long-term partner, and he just starts to wonder whether life is completely passing him by and whether he'll actually ever have sex again. He is the former chief executive of Gay Men Fighting AIDS, or GMFA, and now runs AIDS Map in the UK. With that background... It made him the perfect casting for the chemsex monologue sexual health worker, Daniel. The play is told with four actors following a series of five monologue. We're going to hear extracts from the play, as well as reflections from the writer Pat Cash and the actors. And he goes to a sauna doing some outreach work. He meets a guy there who's clearly on chems and he finds this guy very attractive. And then the guy just wanders off and he wonders... Maybe I'm just missing out. Maybe, maybe actually the secret to happiness is at a chemsex party. So he goes to a chemsex party. Why do people use drugs? Happiness? Euphoria? Ecstasy? 
in my mind rose unbidden this dusty image from an old classics lesson. Ecstasy, from the Greek ecstasis, to be outside oneself. Why do so many gay men want to be outside themselves? The young man with the tribal tattoo pointed at my glass. What's that you're on? Pinotage? Is it good shit? 2006? Can I try some? I handed him the glass and he spat it straight back in. That's red wine. Yes, and not a cheap one either. You could have fucking killed me, I'm on so much G. I'm sorry. I wonder if you can kind of take us back to actually a time when the chemsex scene wasn't so widely known about because it's something that is spoken about certainly in LGBT media spheres quite a lot now. I think um, David Stewart, who is a name that is inextricably intertwined with chemsex. Chemsex monologue writer Patrick Cash and has done the most work for drawing attention to this issue, um, will tell you very readily that there was a time when he couldn't get anybody to take any notice of it. And he was working at Antidote's brilliant LGBT drug clinic that still runs and is still out there. Patrick used to work at London's gay nightlife magazine, QX. And while he was there, he interviewed David Stewart from what is Europe's leading sexual health clinic, 56 Dean Street and seeing all these people coming forward since, and at the end of the weekend saying I need PEP because I've had bareback sex and been exposed to HIV or I've um, passed out or I've got psychosis or something else. And Patrick instantly recognised the three chemsex drugs, something now coined as a, a holy trinity of drugs. They are crystal meth, methadrone and GBL or GBH. And let's be clear at this stage, David Stewart's role in creating awareness about chemsex should not be understated. He created the whole word in the first place. Using drugs for sex is sometimes also known as party and play, or even getting high and horny, along with Patrick Cash. He contributed to the first stellar piece of journalism that put chemsex on the map. Vice's Chemsex Documentary. I'm coming to your house tonight. These days, you come into London to find your gay life and you find Grinder. And within perhaps four conversations, you're going to be introduced to chems. Within eight conversations on Grinder, you're going to be introduced to injecting or slamming. Originally, sex and drugs were two separate things. Somewhere along the line, you were no longer having sex without drugs and you were no longer having drugs without sex. Tina, TG, they all mean one thing. It's time to party. The feelings that you got is like a firework display in your soul. It looks to some people of greedy, self-indulgent, promiscuous gay boys going out and fun on, on drugs. It's more complicated than that. The gay scene can be such a lonely, alienating place. The drugs gave me the confidence that I never had. Vulnerable gay men with issues around sex new drugs that tapped into that problem rather well and changing technology what they call the perfect storm once you cross the line and once you're in that world of chems and you're in that world of incredible sex if you never come back across the line and see what else is there it's very easy to stay in there being diagnosed with hiv see it happened 
I thought I'd OD'd on G. Five gay men are being diagnosed with HIV every single day in London, just in London. And that's a huge number. There's something about our relationship to our sex that's causing harm and that needs addressing. That's the section from the trailer, which is now three years old. But recently, in my role at Gaysar News, running Gaysar Students in partnership with this very podcast and National Student Pride, with GSN's deputy editor David Hudson, we did a whole two-week mini-series on chemsex. And perhaps unsurprisingly, we discovered that the semsex scene as portrayed in the Vice doc, even though it's three years old, has barely changed. Indeed, as our understanding of it grows, so does the trend. It's estimated in London at least, two men die every month following some form of chemsex experience. And that's something that goes way beyond the parties that they're often portrayed as in the media. The Gaystar News global survey we did, that specifically asked questions of people who take part in chemsex, showed that four in 10 know someone who's died after an experience using chemsex drugs. Nearly a quarter have overdosed themselves and two thirds experienced depression and anxiety as a result of taking part in chemsex. I mean, I think there's always been a relationship between gay men and drug use. And I think with each generation, perhaps the drug skiller, perhaps a little bit more dangerous and a little bit more scary. Um, obviously, HIV has kind of is another level of complication because if you're taking drugs which reduce your inhibitions, then they're going to reduce your inhibitions around sexual safety as well as other other issues. Um, but I mean, certainly what we see with the chemsex drugs is, you know, some people do seem to be able to manage their lives on it, but then you see other people who get completely mm-hmm. obliterated mm-hmm. by it and, and their lives become entirely unmanageable, as well as the, you know, the you know, quite high figures now of people who've died directly yeah. as a result of taking chems. I should be going. Not your thing. Is it that obvious? You've still got all your clothes on. I looked at him. How old are you? Nineteen. What are you doing here? It's fun. You know, you don't have to have sex with anybody here. I only have sex with the guys that I want to. And the ones that give me drugs. He motioned at the boy in the video. He was my boyfriend. I put down my glass. Right, that's it, come on. Get dressed. You're coming with me. No funny business. I'll put out the sofa bed. You can get a good night's sleep. He stared at my outstretched hand. Maybe. Off to the next shot. I think um, in terms of writing it, what I wanted to do was um, cut through 
the sensation and the furore that is anything to do with drugs in some ways is reported within the wider media, um, but particularly to do with gay men and drugs. Um, there can be this slight element of hysteria, look at all these bad gays and what they're doing, and and you get an objectification and demonisation of the, of the men involved. Um, so the play, I really wanted to be unbiased as to whether taking drugs is a good thing or taking drugs is a bad thing. Um, I think I wanted to show truthfully that taking drugs to the if you're taking drugs for the wrong reasons, you can harm your health, um, and you can you know go to the stage where where it can become fatal. But ultimately, I wanted to cut through that to show the humanity of these people um, and the vulnerability of these people. I mean, one of the things that's been really interesting about performing in Chemsex monologues is the range of audience responses that we get. And it seems that it's one of those plays that it very, you can almost tell where someone stands from the way they respond to it. Because I've had people come up to me and say, oh, you know, it's really it, it's brilliant that you're doing a play which tells people not to use drugs. Um, and I've had other people come up to me and say, you know what, this play would be... it's bad because it doesn't tell people not to use drugs so I mean actually the play doesn't say whether drugs are good or bad it it portrays a world and it shows some of the very terrible consequences that can result from drugs but it also shows some people who are managing and even having a joyful time as a result of using chems and as we've mentioned in the episode so far it's not just parties some men who face different levels of addictions use chems along with porn on their own at home. Three in ten, in fact. And many people just use them with one-on-one partners. So, though the monologues themselves do focus around the parties and the chill-outs, the chemsex story goes way beyond drugs and even those chasing them. Hi, I'm what? Should I just, is yeah. there? <laughs> Hi, I'm Remy Moyens and I was with the... Remy uh, plays the full of life... Faghag Kath, who is the kind of female voice and probably the straight voice as well of the piece. But she's also the voice of friends to those lost in what is a difficult addiction. Though Faghag Kath may have initially embraced her friend Steve's new sense of sexual identity and freedom from the chemsex drugs, she faced a difficult choice when Steve's occasional using became more extreme. He started to slam which is injecting the chemsex drugs that are usually either methadone or crystal meth. In the scene we're about to hear, we're in the kitchen with a chemsex party in full swing next door. When Kath realises this is all leading Steve, her friend, to develop a serious addiction. Steve and I are talking in the kitchen as he agitatedly reapplies the fake tan. You said you'd never slam... We're really careful. I use colour-coded needles. You could get HIV, hep C. Don't be so judgmental. I'm trying to care for you so I can care for myself. What are you even doing here? Is he selling you? No. We have an agreement. Yeah, yeah, your ass. Shut up, Kath. I think you should leave. He laughs and begins racking up lines of meth on a plate. Where else am I going to go? Is it money? Of course it's fucking money. Does your mum know? Don't tell her. She won't understand. 
Across the room, old mother Meth has begun wanking off to a porno. Both Steve and I stare at it blankly. I recognise the blonde bottom moaning on the screen. Where's St Sebastian these days? Steve looks at me. Didn't you hear? I know what he's going to tell me. He died a couple of weeks ago. It was all over Facebook. I think I really enjoy uh, where my monologue comes in. There's five monologues and mine's the middle, mine's the third one. Um, I'm obviously the first female that you hear and I'm definitely the first main like comedic hit that you get as well. <laughs> she comes on and she's like a bundle of energy and she's talking about M&S meal deals and being classy because she's drinking Sainsbury's Basics vodka <laughs> or like, um, it is, it definitely, it lifts, it lifts the piece to a different kind of part of consciousness. She knows that something's wrong all the way through um, and doesn't kind of let it hit her. She tries to ignore the signs of him like not looking that great, being skinny, putting all this fake tan on, um, and she just bats it out of the way, bats it out of the way until she can't, she can't ignore it anymore because she sees him slamming, she sees him shooting up, and that is something, the line they promised they would never cross. And I think suddenly then, even then, she tries to laugh it off, she tries to explain it away, tries to help him, and then she just looks around and realises that actually she can't really do anything to help. Um, he needs to help himself first, and I think that's important. Um, she has a kid to care about, and she's got to put her first. Uh, as we go through your monologue, we kind of see Steve engage more and more in, in the chemsex scene, that part of the way he describes it is almost with this romantic way, he's almost pushing aside. The if you are young and you've come to London um, and you're a young gay man and you wanted to escape your rural hometown where you might have not had a very good growing up and you might have been bullied a bit at school for effeminacy or something like that, or being, or being single, or always felt different at least, even if you pull on this performative aspect. You come to London, you're in the great glittering gay scene, you're going to find your peers, you're going to find your belonging, you know, your solidarity with everybody, um, and then you go on Grinder and and you get um, these amazing torsoed men asking you to come round and and take a G or meth with them, um, then yeah, then that might look really glamorous to you. Um, and and uh, possibly there is an element of, um, of of lust as well to like these guys uh, standing like at the chill outs. Generally, it's like guys who are quite gym toned who are standing around in tiny little sports shorts, you know, that, that cling. I think there's a line in the play it's somewhere. And they yeah. like, cling to the junk and yeah. show off the butt. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what they're designed for. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and yeah, and that's something, yeah, there's, there's, there's that glamour wrapped up in that lust. Yeah, I think he sees it through this haze of glamour. Um, and I think she sees it that way too until she's, until it kind of hits her and the, the facade gets dropped and everything is suddenly in a different colour almost. Like she was in this kind of dream, just like he is. I think he's really excited to be part of it. She was excited a year before, maybe a year and a half before that, to be part of it with him. And then they were kind of keeping up with each other until he took an extra step and she knows she can't go 
that extra step. And I think, yeah, I think they do both see it at the beginning as a glamorous, exciting place to be and not the, not the kind of dangerous side that she discovers a bit later on. Where's St. Sebastian these days? Steve looks at me. Didn't you hear? I know what he's going to tell me. He died a couple of weeks ago. It was all over Facebook. I feel this strange wrench, but, but he survived at Christmas. Took too much G again. We continue to stare at the porn. It's a shame, says Steve, snorting the meth. Oh, he was so hot. I surge forward into the middle of the wanking men and point at the screen. He's dead! Old Mother Meth looks up at me, huge purple penis in hand. He looks pretty alive to me there. You're wanking over a boy who died! Old Mother Meth looks at Steve. Steve, your hag is being a real boner killer. Kath, stop embarrassing me. I look at Steve. Streaked in fake tan, staring at me in method up consternation across the room, and I realise he looks terrible. His eyes are bloodshot and lost in death-like sockets. His skin lacklustre and pocked with spots. Wake up, Steve, I say. I just want you to wake up. Then a large naked shadow looms over me as old Mother Meth says, Darling, I think it's time you ordered an Uber. There have already been some heavy themes in today's show. We're reaching the halfway mark. And if you're listening today and want to seek support, London's 5016th Street, the UK's GMFA website, and Gaystar News' Chemsex section, gaystarnews.com forward slash chemsex, are all great places to start to find out more about using drugs as part of your sex life safely. You'll also find David Stewart's website, the man who coined the term that we heard in the Vice trailer earlier in the show. There are resources on his website that are a great place to go if you want to reduce the amount of chems in your life, or just reduce the amount of harm they cause. That's davidstewart.org. Stay with us for after the break. We go even deeper into the chemsex rabbit hole. Hey, are you new to us? Well, why not give another episode of Hashtag Queer AF a go? If you like this one, then we think you'll love I'm gay, but I'm also a homophobe. It's one young man's incredibly brave story of overcoming the internal shame he has of being gay. It's just a couple of episodes back in our feed. But you also might enjoy our live and special recording of this episode that's taking place in central London with the amazing guest, Evan Davis. So that's 7pm on the 26th of April in your diary and then head to either the Guest on News Facebook page or at Student Pride on social for the link and all of the details about how you can hear this show recorded live with Evan Davis as our guest. In return, all we're asking for is a donation to the Albert Kennedy Trust. They're the UK's LGBT homeless charity. You can get all the ticket links on at Student Pride social media. So see you on the 26th. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to this special episode of Hashtag Queer AF. I've interviewed a lot of people who've been on the chemtech scene, both through my journalistic work um, for QX and like Attitude, um, but also um, through research for the play. And often people say they take like a line of meth or a shot of G and they suddenly feel like they've been friends for years with this stranger from Grinder who's just come over. And, they, and it's about the sex, but it's also at uh, the chill outs expressing everything to this person, talking about all these things. Like um, uh, Denim is about to come in and do a piece from his... Um, uh, monologue which has an excerpt where they show each other their iPhone library, iPhone camera libraries and find this bond and connection when they're high. And so I think it's it's in some ways the drug use is is finding that connection that is absent elsewhere in society and in the community. Uh, my name's Denim. Uh, Denim Spur. Uh, my character's name is a guy called well, uh, interestingly called Nameless, uh, doesn't have a name, uh, which represents a whole host of people and uh, in this in that scene who really become nameless uh, through getting lost in it. Back in the living room. It's G o'clock. I'm feeling a bit cased you, like I should leave. But I thought I'd just, I'd just have another shot. Everyone's hot on G. I don't want to have sex with anyone except Saint Sebastian, and now he's like ice. Fuck! Daryl is staring at Saint Sebastian, who's holding an empty glass. You just drank the G I was pouring from. <laughs> How much was in there? 20 fucking mil. The chill out swarmed around a pale and scared Saint Sebastian. As, as behind them, this golden Saint Sebastian moaned ecstatically on a high definition Apple TV. People people were arguing about what the best way to make him throw up was, but, but I knew the G was too quick. I saw him look at me. And I took out my phone. What's the address? I cornered Old Mother Meth, who was staring at me wildly. Who are you talking to? The ambulance. We, we can't have an ambulance here. He's overdosed. 
There are hundreds of fucking pounds worth of drugs. Daryl starts rubbing Old Mother Mess back. Babe. No, no, I am not flushing them. You'll have to take him somewhere. Tell us about that part of the monologue, because that's just one small section. Yes, it is. So that's the section just after St. Sebastian and Nameless have uh, hooked up in the bathroom of this chill out. That scene is quite significant because it's the build that all builds up to that point where Nameless has built up this vision of of St. Sebastian. It's a very kind of idyllic delusional vision of his relationship with Saint Sebastian uh, and he gets to the point when they are having sex and it's amazing and he feels fantastic and then Saint Sebastian stops and says he's going to have sex with other people later and Nameless doesn't quite know how to deal with that. He's kind of been consumed by his high vision of Saint Sebastian and that's a complete break from that and he doesn't know how to deal with it. So he goes back into the the chill out, decides I'll oh, take some more drugs, but it's not stopping that something's broken for him. And it's also for St. Sebastian, it's not clear quite how that makes him feel or whether there's there's a massive fear of of actually feeling something for someone and someone that clearly feels something and is not afraid to, sh- to hide their feelings for him. Um, and that fear may then lead it's him to to accidentally or or possibly intentionally overdose on G at the party. When you was writing this part, Patrick, what was you trying to get across about the kind of connections that you get on the chemsex scene? I think in terms of uh, Denham's monologue, Denham is playing a very young character and he has a belief, a idealistic, um, almost naive but hope-giving, optimistic uh, belief in in romance and love. And he's looking for that connection of a partner, someone to look after him, but he's also, and to look after them as well, and to be in this kind of like equal um, relationship of equal self-worth and giving to one another and loving support. But he's looking for that in the wrong places. And he's also in, impressionable enough at that stage in his life of 1819 to be influenced by the gay scene's obsession with aesthetics and how people look when he sees St. Sebastian. St. Sebastian is in, um, even though it's Christmas, he's wearing roller pants and roller skate, uh, uh, hot pants, sorry, and roller skating down Old Compton Street um, with nothing else on. And and he's like, and St. Sebastian's a porn star. And, um, and so Denham's character, Nameless, is just completely bowled over. And it's like, oh, like this is going to be the most romantic thing ever with him. Um, and that, so they end up having this physical uh, relationship and it becomes a relationship and it ends badly within the play. Um, I won't give away everything, um, but um, we don't we don't know whether that connection has become like emotional love or whether that connection is is all built on facade. But I definitely wanted to show somebody who's who's looking for that um, that many people are in some ways and many people continue doing throughout their time in the community and on the scene. However, old they are looking if they're single, I guess looking for uh, not to say all single gay men are like this, but uh, I think many possibly are from my time being single I definitely was of looking for some kind of love and connection and uh, but possibly looking in the wrong places for it 
I had a, um, a hookup um, <laughs> with someone recently um, and I, I went over and I was just looking for a, a, a home on a Sunday, you know, that kind of that kind of vibe and was just kind of wanted someone to snuggle with really. I was quite happy for it just to be snuggling, but if it was anything more then fantastic, but um, it was pretty, uh, pretty open to whatever it would be uh, and I turn up and unfortunately the guys neglected to tell me that there's four other people there and I was like, oh, opposite of I one great thanks very much um and so I end up just kind of sleeping um uh but he was just like oh so you you just wanted a one-on-one -on -one thing and I was like yeah it's like would you not be bored of me and that was kind of really interesting that that was the perspective that he had is that somehow he couldn't be with just one person because that person would get bored of him um and that's kind of sad I think that that's the way that, that people think I think a certain proportion of gay men might have a fear of intimacy that is intertwined with growing up, hiding themselves away and hiding their sex away and hiding their sexual thoughts away and being fear and having fear of being discovered um, being going through school and um, and navigating teenage years with family having this constant fear of being found out for themselves and having a, and associating huge amounts of shame and trauma with their sexual thoughts and therefore we find um, a no frame of reference built you know you're, you're hiding yourselves from your friends you're building this gulf between your friends you're building this gulf between your loved ones between people who are near to you and cutting yourself off from everybody at that stage and that's your most formulative state uh, formative sorry stage of your life you know and 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 that's intimacy that you're cutting yourself off of from at that time and so in later life we see this problem happening with a with a significant proportion of gay men taking drugs to achieve intimacy with one another a shortcut to intimacy and a shortcut to sex and i think there are there are many elements um uh in intertwining in a complex manner there you have very little to go on uh, in terms of what to, where to go for your uh, advice, where to go to learn on how to how to be a gay man, and often the first thing you might do is download something like Grinder. Um, on Grinder, within a minute you're offered sex, within two minutes you're offered drugs, and within three you're offered money, and then that could become like the the basis of of what you think it means to be a gay man. Um, so I think that naivety is definitely a big thing for lots of gay men, and it was for me, absolutely, when I came out. Uh, I didn't realise there was a whole plethora of other other sources for for a gay education. Um, and we really need to be pointing people in that direction rather than the, 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 the direction of, of the, the chill out and learning how to be a gay man through that. I mean, there's nothing, I, I still believe that you can function and go to a chill out and have a very, very good time. And, um, uh, and that sh we shouldn't be, be telling people that, that, that that's a bad thing but we should we should be allowing people to go with the knowledge and knowing what they're going to get to get themselves into and not get lost in things like delusions and naivety going back to nameless as well uh, in, in the chemsex monologues that that cutting off from intimacy in your everyday life brings about this kind of bipolar perspective on uh, uh, in your um, or both bipolar feeling when it comes to your sex life that 
when you do enter this world, which is a chill out world that is so not the real world and all the normal rules do not apply and you can be gay and whatever and it's all like the things don't exist anymore that the problems of the real world don't exist anymore the extreme feeling you get when you're in that is so huge that it becomes so overwhelming and so impossible to not constantly do whenever you get the opportunity i think that kind of like uh when when you get rid of that um in your real world in like lack of intimacy it kind of helps solve that that kind of two binary um, problem. Suddenly I'm I'm in a real, a real dark shadow. What if, what if this gets back to my parents? I, I don't think I can go with him, I say. The emergency services asked for the address again. Well, who else is going to go? St. Sebastian's eyes roll into the back of his head. Fagag Calf catches him as he staggers. The chill out is silent. Apart from the shuddering cries of the increasingly orgasmic porn. In this weird moment of like utter clarity, I see outside the window it started to snow. What's the street name? I ask. I think my biggest takeaway from writing about chemsex over the last year is perfectly demonstrated in that last clip. Because with all of the woes, drugs, and at times difficult subjects that we've talked about in the show, what won over was compassion. And there is an incredible compassion, care and unity in the LGBTI community. It's when we stand together and say no to shame and stigma that we're all able to move forward together. Pat Cash's chemsex monologues continue that conversation all over the world. The acclaimed show has played all over the UK, Australia and Ireland too. It's just got back from a tour in Berlin, and if you get a chance to see it, you should absolutely take it. We're going to put a link into the show notes today so that you can find out more about when you can next see the entirety of the monologues. And keep the conversation alive. Let it air without shame or stigma, because although people can only overcome addictions when they're ready to ask for help, they need your compassionate hand there when they're ready to be won over.
That's it for this week's hashtag QueerAF. You'll find links to Chemsex support in the show notes. Production and presenting this week has been done by me, Jamie Wareham. And remember, our live show in central London on April 26th with Evan Davis is coming up. All the details that you need are on our social media at Student Pride. Go check it out immediately. And if you think the stories that we tell here are important, there are two things you can do to keep this show alive. And they don't even cost you a penny. So first of all, subscribe, rate and review us on the iTunes Apple Podcast Store. Even if you don't have an iPhone, you can still log into iTunes and do it. It does a huge amount to put the show in front of more people. And second thing, just tell a friend about us. Who knows? It might be the first step they need to know they have your support. We're queer as fuck. And hey, so are you. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.